am. Here I am. I was just doing some some warm ups and some exercises there, right here in my chair. You know, I was curling my toes and stuff like that. You know, getting ready for the workout. We have to start wherever we can. That's that's what we're Exercises are fine. Hey, listen, happy Father's Day, Alex Simmons. Yes, happy Papa Day to you as well. Yes, we are both of us fathers. Fathers of young, young people. I mean, not young, young. They're older, actually. It's mad. We're old fathers of. We, are, uh, we have we full-grown ones, don't we? Yeah, we got full-grown ones. We're, we're getting into the geezer brigade. So all of our offsprings are out of college. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Wow. And now we'll, we'll wait a few years and hopefully have some... Grandchildren to say, ah, come here. I'll, I'll watch you. I'll watch you do that. <laughs> I'm not rushing my kids to do that move yet. You know, let them, let them have a little bit more of their lives and get their stuff together and accomplish this no, and that and, you know, remodel Mount well, Everest. I, I do find myself, I've always loved, you know, babies and kids. And T was, you know, the goddess was a pre K teacher and that kind of stuff. But, um, I find myself, you know, you know, I'll be out somewhere. I'll say, "Oh, look at that cute one over there!" As if we were shopping for babies, you know. <laughs> look how beautiful she! Oh, she's adorable, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And you know, both of the sons are in um, school settings now. They are not teachers per se, but they are uh, working with. One is working with artistic kids, and one is on a. Yeah, a one in one, one on one with a special needs kid, and um, they come back with these anecdotes, and you, you see in their eyes that they're starting to appreciate children. You know, when mm. when kids teenagers or in their twenties, a lot of times, you know, children are a concept for like some kind of family reunion thing but if they're not central to their lives it's uh it's heartening and very satisfying to hear them come in with stories they want to share with us about um here's what this kid did here's how what this kid achieved and uh you know it's kind of fitting for today because you know we're going to talk about fathers and sons and the effect fathers have on sons and sons have on fathers and uh, with creatives and in fictional um, worlds. Yeah. And uh, we, it was appropriate for this weekend. So I know folks were wondering, how are these there. guys going to do that? How are they going to take tell the damn story and do some sort of episode that focuses on daddies? And, you know, you should have just known we would. We would come up with something. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and and... and you know, mothers are central to uh, life. Um, you know, and uh, Disney will—you always see that. We, you know, Disney will kill a dad in the first three seconds of <laughs> you know the, the planning meeting. All right, dad's out of the picture. Boom, gone. And then mom is so central. It's oh, true, you know. Yeah, no. The big, the big thing. Oh, Bambi's mother died. Where was dad? We don't want to know. He was off we in the woods him. waiting for the right entrance. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's and, funny. You know, the, I told you a story once. To, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, I told you a story once because 
you know, again, even even though we're talking about dads, we're going to talk about dads in terms of literature and all that. And um, for me, my childhood, I think I've mentioned this to you. As a kid, I mean, as a, as a as a young one, I was you know I, my favorite comic book character was Batman. My favorite hero character was the Lone Ranger and Tano, but my favorite comic book character was Batman. I really enjoyed it. And so as a little kid, I'm envisioning, okay, well, you know, I don't want this to happen to my mom, by the way, because I wasn't raised by my father, I was raised by my mother. So I don't want anything to happen to her that I have to grow up and become the Dark Knight. But, you know, one day I could grow up and become a crime fighter and, and be super cool and strong and smart and all that. Stuff. And so you, you, I'm seeing this as a kid, I'm going to grow up to be Batman. And then I reached an age where I'm thinking, okay, now this is the point where I'm supposed to be studying, you know, chemistry and, and, and electronics and technology and working out like crazy to become this like really athletic guy because this is soon I'm going to be Batman. And then I reached, you know, that mature age where I'm going, oh, you know, this is the time period I'm supposed to be Batman. I'm supposed to be wealthy and have all the cars, the gimmicks and a few, you know, scars from major battles, but saving lives and kicking butt, right? And then the day hit me. The day hit me where I, you know, you, you, my eyes open up in the morning and I sit up and I got a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, a, a soreness in this muscle, a little bit of a creak in the back, something pops in the bones there. And I realize I'm the guy that they kill <laughs> so that the kid can grow up to be Batman. <laughs> I'm the father that's got to die so that my son is motivated to become a hero. <laughs> and that's, that seems to be a, a formula for a lot of, of creative, that your parents, get the parents out the way so that we can tell a great story. Because they're like, they're like, uh, they're, they're, they're the collateral damage, you know? <laughs> you know? Well, true, true. And Batman is an amazing example of that. But his, his exact opposite in DC, you know, Superman, ah. is, is, is America's Boy Scout, is America's role model. Because of two sets of parents, you know, his parents on Krypton. Which they got rid of real quick. Well, they, they, yeah, but the whole planet was blown up. They said, at least we have to, we want to give him life. So they shipped him off. And then the luckiest break in Superman's entire life, young little baby Kal-El was found by Ma and Pa Kent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talk about that, um... That rural American um, morality, that the heartland yeah. of America. You know, there was a reason why, you know, two kids from Cleveland didn't have him land in Cleveland, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he landed in Kansas, right? That heartland. And uh, in that way, growing up around Ma and Pa and, and learning at Posney and learning side by side working the fields with Pa and you know having to suffer Pa's uh, death all formed who both the Superman persona and the Clark, uh, Kent. Clark Kent persona became you know and it's the I, I, I love the um, it's not really a dichotomy but I love the how opposite it is to the Batman experience, you know? Mm. And then these two become these brothers that influence the best out of each other, you know, yeah. because of the roots they had. You know, in, in a real way, Batman is Batman because he hurt so much as a child, he never wants anyone else. It's almost a psychotic thing that no one else should have to suffer the way he did. But he studies and works out 
and and uses the Wayne Foundation or the Wayne uh, fortune in ways that he learned from his parents and watching his parents, especially his father, um, who was filthy rich from the family, but was the doctor turned another way. You know, so far, you know, well, part of what we're saying today is, you know, it's interesting to see the influences of fathers um, and how that drives the heroes that we watch. You know, we look at um, this Odin. Is I was I was I, I was gonna go back to how many fathers go, drop off. I was gonna go away from comics and come back to comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a show This Is Us, which is a family drama, and it's told in flashbacks and flashbacks, and they play with time. But the central figure is that father who died, mm. and how how flawed he was, and how great he became as a dad. And what what they understood and misunderstood about him. There's uh, two. There were triplets. One died in birth, and a, uh, a black baby was uh, coincidentally dropped off at the same time. And the father says, "No, that's our third child. That's right." And adopted it, and they grew up. And of course, family drama ensues. But it's all this influence, and and. I think it's, I, you know, it rings true to me because my, my my own father has been gone, oh my God, 19 years now. And I still think of him every day. And he still influences the choices I make, the way I write, the way I parent, the way I teach in the classroom, the way I deal with my neighbors. I The way I deal with my neighbors is an exact imitation of how I saw my old man. Well, let me let me jump in there on that then and say, how old were you when your father went on his way? Well, I was a, I was a father when my father passed away. Okay. Uh, the, the kids were four or five. As a matter of fact, um, City of Woe, uh, his final some of his final days, and his funeral is memorialized in that novel. Okay, so you were raised by your mother and your father, whereas I was raised by my mother because my father was not there. Yeah, but your mom also fulfilled the father role. Right, but what I'm what I'm saying is again we're talking about you got you got you got away with zero. <laughs> yeah, my 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 father my father did did the you know um, he did the sort of uh, here's a back door let me run kind of thing and you talk about the influences and again we will go back to comics and writing but again writers are influenced by the things that happen in their lives. And so, in my case, I was raised without a a father figure per se, and so a lot of the books and TV shows and things that I watched and some of the movies, the hero, the male hero, was the character that filled a small, tiny spot for that. You know, I was I was influenced by Sherlock Holmes. I was influenced by by Batman, by by some of the other characters, and. My stepfather, not my stepfather, I'm sorry, my grandfather, uh, who was uh, West Indian, my family is, is um, a mixed bag of Americans, nuts and bolts, but he was from the West Indies. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah, and I, and more nuts phrase. than bolts, I might add. But he was, he was the in-home male figure that I could connect to. And so I, you know, some of the food that I ate, um, and I still to this day like, was influenced by what he ate and some of the ways that he approached things 
I picked up on bits and pieces of that. But, you know, a lot of the heroes in the fictional world were almost, you know, 24-7 you know, impressions were being just hammered on me about how you treat other people, uh, right and wrong. Uh, and like the Lone Ranger and Tonto, you know, people from different races and cultures can work together. You know, these are all things that were filtering in to fill a certain void left by, you know, my mom's having to do it all by herself. And as you said, moms did double duty because she not only tried to teach me the values that I do hold dear, um, but she also, you know, had to deal with me when I was a pain in the, um, and I, and I was at times, you know, this imaginative, creative, excited, curious person could be a real pill. And, you know, I, I've apologized to my mother during her life and, and, and long since she departed, uh, saying, I'm so sorry I did that, or, you know, I'm sorry I made it hard on you in those days and things like that. And I hope that, you know, I always hope that she knew that, bottom line, I loved her like crazy. But, yeah, you know, the, the male image in fiction as well as in real life, there's, there's a reason that it, it, it impacts on children when that image is either not there or when it is there and hopefully when it's there you know the quality of that person you know that's the, well, true and yeah. i i want to tie back to the comic by saying this one thing about you for as long as i've known you and i have known you a long long set of decades <laughs> you know you i you were talking about batman before and how he was driven to do these things out of the loss, you know, mm. and uh, almost an overcompensation. Mm. But, you know, while we're having this conversation here, um, I think of you in the terms I first met you in, where you were working with uh, Bronx Creative Arts for Youth, literally taking kids off street corners that were getting just overwhelmed by the crack wars. Mm. And you and you would literally teaching theater skills to save them from that. And and every conversation I ever overheard, you know, you and 20 kids, you know, uh, it was clearly a parenting aspect. And now I look at uh, you teaching in uh, uh, this elementary school in Jersey, uh, your film school, and of course, and probably most prominently, uh, the kids' Comic Con, and if that's not a form of parenting, a form of um, giving back what you may have missed out on, you know. And on top of that, you know, raising three fine children, you know. So um, I had help with that. <laughs> you no, know, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Of course. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see almost a, uh, a doubling of efforts or tripling of efforts um, to be present in, uh, as, a, as a male uh, and as an African-American male mm. um, in the lives of those who may have been in the same situation as you were, you know, with Bronx Creative Arts for Youth and with Kids Comic Con, you were standing there every, at every one of those events saying, I am here for you. And I mean, heroic, yes. And, uh, you know, one of the things I love most about you, but you can, I, you know, because of his, the 
because it's kind of a Father's Day um, episode. It, it's fascinating to to hear you talk about Batman and then talk about not having a father in your life and having a grandfather gone, and then to see what you've done with that experience. You know, it does remind me a little bit to bounce into comic books again of uh, you know Peter Parker's drive. Uh-huh. You know, he, Uncle Ben. Yeah, you know, he lost Uncle Ben, and he felt it was his fault, and you know he. Over, overcompensate for that by being who and what he is, you know? And, uh... It, uh when, you know, when you when you look at situations like that, whether you're talking about, you know, what you just described, sort of my real-life scenario or Peter Parker's real-life, real, his, his scenario within the fictional tales, but, you know, it's all based on, on how we as human beings react and, and how we then take those real feelings and emotions and experiences and translate them into the creative world, whether it's visual or, or written. And I think, you know, there are things we know, I mean, honestly, I know intellectually that I can never get back those childhood years without my dad being a part of my life. I will never be able to undo the fact that my mother, who had health issues like crazy, still had to carry the weight of taking care of both of us and, and trying to straighten me out and all this kind of stuff. And no, I was never the punk kid running around trying to, you know, to, to, to destroy the neighborhood and all that. But I, you know, I still, I could have gone off in a thousand different bad scenarios, you know, awkward scenarios, not best judgment scenarios. And some of what kept me solid was her. Um, but she had to go through the, you know, the, those moments to, to to pull me back, to hold me to to a code uh, or an ethical code. And I cannot, I felt, you know, you feel, I can't repay her enough for that. I can't pay, repay her enough for not focusing on taking care of herself selfishly and instead putting all of her effort and what strength she had into taking care of me. So I know some part of your psyche, your mind, you know, your heart says, I got to, I got to give back somehow. And then you figure out what works for you. And in, in my case, um, remembering the people, you know, my mom first, some of the characters and things that I read, but also remembering the other human beings who stepped into my life to help me out or to, to, to give me an advantage or give me a, a view of other options. Those are people who came to me to help or stepped in to help me. So turning around and doing the same for those coming behind me, it, it just, it makes sense, but it also feels so damn good, you know? And yeah. yeah, I don't know that Peter will ever feel good about what he's done. I think some of that depends on who's writing him at the time and, right. and the social structure at the time, because, you know, our work is influenced by whatever issues and things are going on in real life. Uh, Batman was not always as dark as he is now. You know, there was a period of, yes, mysterious, kind of dangerous, and then there was a period of lightheartedness and fun with Robin by his side, and then there was a period of, okay, I'm going to become a more intense detective, but I still got it together, and then suddenly he needs major therapy. And Robin yeah. is leaving him, and Jason Todd is totally messed up, and Tim Drake's about the only solid one who comes back into the picture with, with, you know, all of his grapes in a basket. So I think I think it depends on who's writing at the time and what they want to do with the characters and how a male figure, an adult male figure, impacts on that setting. 
talk about those three for a minute because it's interesting uh, how you uh, describe each of them. You know, um, Dick Grayson, very much like Batman, so his parents killed him before. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he he was meant to offset Batman's darkness and thus the yellow cape and the uh, uh, the smile and the little spit curl. Mm-hmm. But even as he grew up, um, it was it was in reaction to Batman's dourness that he refused to be down, you know. Uh, Jason Todd was broken before Batman met him, and then the Joker broke him more. So Batman failed Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. The real interesting difference is that Tim Drake wasn't found by Batman. He found that. Batman. At that man's hour of greatest need after Jason uh, died, or as, as everyone understood at the time, yes. Jason died. Of course, you know, comics, very few people stay, almost nobody stays dead. Yes. Uh, Uncle Ben, but I'm afraid to say that, because, you know, someone <laughs> will make him the, the early spring soldier or something. Yeah, well, um, you know, Uncle Ben dies and Aunt May won't die. <laughs> Yeah, but that girl keeps getting hotter, so God bless you, Aunt May. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, she's found she's found Reza Ghoul's uh, you know, a little pool there. Yeah. You know, whatever works. Whatever gets you from that library spinster look to Marissa Tomei, bottle that up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, each of those Robin characters went in a different direction. There was another Robin character uh, a female, I forget her name, I'm sorry. Yeah, and um, I, I'm sorry, now that you said that, now I've forgotten her name. I want to, oh, blast. Uh, uh, not, Spoiler not was her character to... name. Right. Um, and I think the word, the name, the last name Brown is, is sticking in my mind. Yeah, she was the daughter uh, of a thief, a hardcore yeah. thief. Yeah. Why can't I remember uh, her name? Uh, anyway, you were saying, what about her? Well, each of them took something from their time with Batman slash Bruce as a father figure. You know, uh, uh, the uh, refusal to be dour, to be defeated uh, by Dick Grayson, you know, and uh, he still is a little sunnier and uh, more uh, enjoys life more than uh, Bruce does. Um, the bitterness of being failed by his father of uh, Jason Todd. And then Tim Drake came in and figured out who Batman was and came to him when he was in his darkest, among his darkest moments or or, or times, you know, after death of the family, or death in the family. Stephanie, Um, by the way. Yeah. Stephanie Brown. What was the name? Spoiler is Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie Brown. Brown. Yes. Stephanie Brown. And uh, Tim's skills as a detective only got better. The only difference, the difference with uh, Tim Drake is that he had parents. 
his father didn't die until identity crisis. That's 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 true in that in that yeah. and his mother died when they introduced the character. Uh, right. But but yeah, the father lingered on for a few years. So it's fascinating, and then they was used as a you know a storytelling device, which is sad. Um, and you know, yet another time, it, it, I disagree with DC uh, 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 embracing the darkness all the time. Mm -hmm. I think we've done that for, what, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, uh, 40 Years of Darkness. Look. That's a good title. 20, you know, let's go. Let's, let's go to another, let's go to another title. We'll open it back up, I think. And I think you see that with Wonder Woman. I think you see it with Aquaman um, and Shazam. You know, that uh, maybe, maybe the sun is starting to shine on them again. But, um... Uh, you know what? That that was a, a paraphrase of Loki. <laughs> so let's bring that back to Odin. How about Odin as a dad? Well, yeah, really, the ultimate father, so to speak, and and even he didn't have it together. I mean, you know, the the thing I like about Norse mythology, even some Greek, is that basically the gods were more like humans with superpowers. They were in in many ways. There was a lot of ego, duplicity, and all this sort of stuff. But they happen to have these outrageous powers, and I mean, you talk about infighting with between them and, and all. So Odin wasn't perfect. He wasn't. It wasn't really the the father you look up to, like Pa Ken. He wasn't. He wasn't Pa Ken at all. You know, and and so no. we, we. Yeah, really, he he was not. You know, and we deal with in the comics. You deal with Odin as this this force. Of nature, really, that that Thor, you know, clashes with much like you know the young young man eventually wants to strike strike out on his own, uh, and he goes back and forth with his father. Father takes his powers away, all these sort of things. You know, you can't have you can't drive the Porsche this evening. Okay, there you go. You've got that going back and forth. But when push comes to shove, it's dad. And when dad's threatened, Thor's right there. And when dad dies, Thor goes to pieces. And because I think we, you know, we were, and to some extent still are, a male-dominated society, uh, I think quite often the spotlight is put on the father, and it's put on the father as what happens to the father has this major impact on the, the, the young character, uh, the child, if you will. Um, you know, the fact that we've seen various incarnations of Thomas Wayne and he's gone from being a great doctor who happened to make you know a nice living, and so they had good money, to he had a foundation, to he had a corporation, to he you know billionaires, and yet he was always benevolent. Some of the stories focused on the mother. So I think you know again when you when you look at the role of men in these stories, it's always as a sort of a guidepost or a pivotal point. In, in the young person's, the young character's life, what happens to the father is crucial. You know, and, yeah. you know, and that's, it's, you know, whether that's right or wrong or not, it is what, what has been. And, and if we look at, well, we look, even look at Oliver Queen, uh, the, the, the comic books, the early uh, Green Arrow comic books didn't deal with his parents at all. You know, in the, the no. 60s and 70s, parents weren't that big a factor in many of the uh, adjacent DC and Avengers series, uh, Marvel series. But in the TV series, in Arrow, 
the whole first two seasons are really about him avenging the death of his father, who was not a perfect guy either. <laughs> you know? No. You know? And then the mother, okay, now the dad's dead. We're back on in the United States, and as the seasons roll on, we see that mom was in the middle of some stuff, but she's a powerful character, but she was in the middle of some stuff, and she's got to find redemption. And I thought, okay, wow, this is, but his parents, geez, you know, it's amazing that he yeah. survived anything. I, I do find that um, sometimes the, the TV and movie versions um, are loyal to the material, and sometimes they go off in a different direction. Um, and sometimes they are opportunistic in that way. I mm. can't tell it really with Green uh, Arrow. Um, but it, the characters themselves have been around for, you know, going on 50 to 80 years, depending on which company. You know, and uh, Green Arrow was part of the Golden Age and part of the Silver Age. And we saw, we you know, I guess it kind of talks about the evolution of both writers and audience mm -hmm. that in the 30s and 40s a colorful costume well even in, in the 30s with the pulps you know uh, some, you know colorful costume or, or, or effective costume on the cover and then bam zoom or you know blazing guns in the case of the shadow and a, a chilling lab were enough you know it was you know, 50s were very much uh, wanted to be as safe as possible because of, you know, the, the um, uh, congressional hearings. But once the kind of the 60s came uh, and college-educated writers started getting their hands on these characters, we started delving more and more and more into the psychology and therefore the family and that's where we started getting a lot of the backgrounds on these you know pop culture characters but it goes back it's just reinventing the myths of old mm. whether it's Norse mythology or celtic or roman or greek you know or they, african they knew they knew way back then that it was about the family, the fathers and the sons, and you know Zeus. Zeus was a pig. <laughs> well, I mean, actually, he was a swan and a bull. He would turn into anything to get near a girl, and then you know, leave her with Zeus. child, to put it politely. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Zeus would not survive our uh, Me Too generation. And our, um, you know, you can't get away with the kind of, you know, that kind of stuff uh, in myth, in pop culture, anywhere. Um, or at least we would hope so. Um, <laughs> it's, it's laughable how terrible Zeus was. <laughs> I know. And when you, you know, when you, when you look at it, you know, you look at the heroic tales that were told of the gods, as it were, the mythological characters. And, and, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, if you really look at it, you know, this guy was stepping out on his wife all the time. and all, So, yeah, that's not a great father figure. As opposed to, you know, and you mentioned earlier, you know, Superman with Pa Kent. We, we talked about Thomas Wayne. Uh, I was going to mention uh, Barbara Gordon, daughter of Commissioner Gordon. Mm -hmm. You know, so here's a girl whose father is 
you know, a, a great cop. He's a, he, you know, when she was very young, he was a police officer, a detective. He eventually becomes commissioner of police of Gotham. He's got a good job, a good heart. He, you know, he, he's fighting the good fight. And she, because of him and this mysterious caped friend of his, she becomes influenced and eventually goes out there to fight crime herself in costume. So she's not following in mom's footsteps. She's following in dad's footsteps and dad's buddy, Uncle Batman. <laughs> you know? Uncle Batman. Uncle Batman, you know? <laughs> He's a guy that comes around every now and then, you know, the holidays, whatever, you know? And, you know, and again, in the, in the days of Adam West, it's, it's all good because, you know, it's, it's Biff, Pow, Bangs, you know, Zowie. But when you got into a little later into the killing joke, then she's now paralyzed. She's shot in the back. You know, which well, is... actually, uh, in the comic, you're talking about the comic. Yeah, I moved from the TV show to the comic books, yes. Okay, because then I'm going to talk about the killing joke and the, the terrible mistake they made when they made it into a, uh, an animated movie. Okay, so I will but... finish with the comic book quickly by saying that, <laughs> again, she's down for the count at that point. She's shot. She's not going to be able to walk. And she builds herself up to become, you know, this computer genius who is the, the intel gatherer for a whole... I mean, she becomes Oracle. And I think at that point, one could say, because of everything she went through before, she now became her own person. She became her own woman. She became. You, know, you could also say, yeah, she's still influenced by Gordon and Batman because, you know, she's still working with them. She, she's, you know, she connects with other uh, costume characters and fights crime. But, you know, at some point, she becomes her own person fully because Oracle becomes her own identity, not someone's, you know, not resembling somebody else who's already out there. That's true. And uh, that was at least partially uh, the result of the, the drive that she saw in her father. And in Uncle Batman. Mm -hmm. Uncle Batman. Uh, <laughs> another, but uh, arguably another father figure, you know, yeah. in, whether it's in comic books or the 60, was it the 68 TV show? Mm -hmm. Definitely, you know, um, which made the animated film such sacrilege, at least in my eyes. Um, the filmmakers there took Killing Joke. Alan Moore does not need to be rewritten. Yeah. Yeah. Just film, just film, or, or create an animated version of that, and you're in good hands. Uh, but they decided they were going to bookend it or uh, add to the beginning um, a little twist, and they had Batman and Batgirl have sex on a roof. Okay, I didn't. I didn't see that film, and now I'm really glad I didn't. It 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 ruined it for me, and and it was it was incestual in my eyes, or incestuous in my eyes because of my understanding of the characters. And it you know it's again, I always hit this thing about where there's the the intersection of commerce and art is a dangerous intersection where many a fictional character gets run over. Mm. Uh, 
you could really see a corporate thumbprint saying, you know what, we're going to spice this up. You know, this is going to be an, uh, an adult-oriented because of the, you know, the, the nature of the story of killing jokes. So we can add some sex in there, and someone probably, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, well, then have a Batman have sex with Catwoman. And someone said, let me put my thumbprint in here. No, let's make it Batgirl. And no one in that meeting apparently understood or read the history, the the culture of this 80-year-old intellectual property. It works for a reason, and it comes back to the core of family. You know, family lost family, recreating one's own family. If they had understood that, they would understand how horrible it is for a father figure to have sex with a daughter figure. And that's why that movie, the animated animated film, doesn't work because you you commit a cardinal sin in the first five minutes. Yeah. Oh, oh and it violates, you know, all that we're, uh, we're talking about as far as the influence of fathers and daughters and that kind of stuff. Well, so here's, here's, let me just... You need to respect it. You need to respect it. That let let me I'm just saying. add to, to that, that, because, as I said, I hadn't seen the movie. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, and... Um, Start in about seven minutes in, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, if, if I'm going to look at it, you know, again, we're looking at father figures here. You know, on Father's Day, we're looking at father figures. So, so in in effect, here you have Batman and and Commissioner Gordon, who are friends, friends for for for, for many many years, right? And 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 here's Barbara, the daughter of your friend, and here you are, on a roof, with her, doing this. To me, That's a sacred trust. Yeah, you no you broken you broken two you broken two right there, between him and her. That's a trust. That, that's like teachers taking advantage of their students in high school. I'm sorry. That's you know it's it's jeez. No, I'm just I'm just saying. So you you break that rule. You break the trust in the friendship. You know, and somebody did think that was a good idea. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry. You know what? I was wrong. They weren't thinking. Yeah. No. And yeah. and. You break what, for 80 years, has been the, the heroic center of this character. He will not break his moral code. Clearly, having uh, Gordon's trust and honoring that relationship would be part of that moral code. Mm-hmm. You know, and then this is, you know, we were talking about uh, a little bit about how it goes in the writing. If you don't understand the the family dynamic, in this case, the father-daughter, father-son, uh, uncle, uncle Batman, yeah. uh, niece, <laughs> girl, uh, if you don't understand that and you move forward and insist on being involved in that property, you know, because you want to fill out your resume or something, you are going to damage it. Yeah. And whoever was responsible for that innovation, it should hang around their neck like an albatross for the rest of their career. You know, the one thing I will will add to that, and again, talking about these characters, and 
what they mean to each other within their universe as it's written, but also what they mean to us. You know, again, Batman to me was one of the things I liked about him, and I didn't dislike Superman or some of the others, but Batman was a human being who had taken himself to an extraordinary level. In other words, he, he worked out and he studied and he did everything he had to do to make himself into that, that entity. He, he wasn't exposed to radiation, you know, or any of that other kind of stuff. And so you look up to people who, by sheer will and determination, succeed. And, you know, that's what you want to be able to do, especially when you're growing up. You want to, you want to make it. If you're having thoughts about what kind of person you want to be or what kind of career you want to have or the places you want to go, you want to believe that you can achieve this stuff. And so here's a guy, you know, who was part of that image, you know, for, for people like myself looking at these characters. Wow, that's really cool. He could do that. So when you do things like what you just said, or like in the early Michael Keaton movies, which I like Michael Keaton, but, you know, once again, the Tim, the Tim Burton films where he kills people, it, it breaks the trust with your audience. I'll put Keaton's body count up against the Ben Affleck body count anytime. Yeah, well, they, like but, I said, yeah. Like I said, you know. It's getting worse. At yeah. some point. I, would, some... I want to go in a slightly different direction. Okay. You were talking about, you were talking about Bruce Wayne and, and all that stuff. For almost the same reason, maybe even more of a reason, I idolized Hawkeye growing up. Ah. Because he is self-made. He was an orphan. He didn't have... It was Bruce Wayne without the money. Mm. You know, he didn't... He, he was a carny. You know? <laughs> he worked in a carnival, folks. For anybody who doesn't know that phrase, he worked in a carnival, yeah. a traveling circus. Yeah. 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 And when when it came time to... You know, Barney, his brother, went to a, a life of crime. Swordsman, one of their mentors, life of crime. And... Clint Barton, Hawkeye, he made another decision to quote uh, uh, the Black Widow in MCEU. Um, MCEU, excuse me. Um, and I loved that about him was that, you know, I could never get a super soldier serum and then there was no radioactive spiders to bite me. And I didn't have my, you know, my dad didn't leave me billions, you know? Yeah, um, mine didn't either, yeah. But, you know, if you were just stubborn enough to not give up and to keep working at it, like Clint Barton, you know, you could you could make a difference. And uh, it really rang a lot of bells for me. My father was a uh, NYPD cop. And, you know, you had the crime of the 70s was really when I was becoming aware of the world. And he was working in the South Bronx. That uh, he would take me down to the prison every once in a while. And each time, the neighborhood became worse to, until finally I went down and it, the entire neighborhood was gone. It had burned down, you know, and, mm. and uh, um, you know, in the seventies, by the time I was a reporter and down there, the only thing standing was the precinct, you know, the 40, 41st precinct went from uh, the nickname Fort Apache to the nickname, the little house on the prairie. <laughs> they knocked and, and then, you know, I hadn't heard that. A different neighborhood. Yeah. That's a cop joke. Um, but he was, you know, he caught in the system a little bit, you know, but also he was going to do what, you know, his training had taught him, what his Baltimore catechism had taught him, and what his sense of morals had taught him, you know. And I saw, you know, a lot of my father in, in uh, Batman, a lot of my father in Captain America, you know, 
and um, and that's why uh, the, there's uh, such a prominent figure in the, uh, the father and the father's last days. And I, whoa, I I want to um, I want to bring up that. three more three more characters before we you Let's know. Let's do it. Let's yeah, okay. do it. So so one uh, is Raven. In, you know, Teen Titans, Raven. Yeah. Okay. You talk about messed up dad. Trigon. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't get it doesn't get any fouler than that. <laughs> get more foul than explain, that. Explain who her dad was for people who don't know. Her, her dad was basically you know the demon of demons. I mean, <laughs> talk about your know, dark lords and all that. I mean, this this person was messed up on a cosmic level. But in this in the supernatural world, so right. you're born to be evil. That's that's your whole purpose. As far as he's concerned, the universe only works because he's evil, and evil is what should should master all creation. And you got a daughter who's super powerful, and she's supposed to be like your vessel to to pour that evil out into the world and just make everything even more corrupt. And she's going, I don't know, Dad. You know, and he's going, No, watch. Like I I got power over you. And the torment this poor soul must be going through, you know, just to constantly be at a point in her life where she knows if she lets go, it's, it's, it's hell on earth for everybody, you know, and a battle of who am I, you know, why am I trying to be what Robin and Stargirl and some of these other kinds of, of creatures are when I'm this totally different creature? What is this even about? So what struggles do people go through, young people in particular go through as they're growing up, trying to figure out what am I, who am I, where do I fit in? And you look to your parents for some sort of guidance, and if they're good and mean good at it, you get some. You may rebel against it, but bottom line is at least you know what that path is. But with her, I mean, the path she's being offered is horrible. The parenting, the parenting lessons this guy is teaching is really horrible. You know, she doesn't have an uncle Batman. <laughs> and yet she finds the path. How does, it, how does that happen? Is it rebelling? It, it's it's rebelling, but it's also part of the lesson of life, which is, in many ways, we are the people we choose to be with, as we're choosing the kind of person we want to be. And I think that the, the, the battle within her, you know, the doubt, whatever it is, that's that little thin line that makes it possible for her to even consider a different path, whatever that is, is fueled by the relationships she has made with these other human beings. And it, it supports that doubt, which is saying there's a different way. I don't even know if it's saying a better way, but this is not totally who you are. And you need to figure out who you are. And that's the battle before you. And Lord knows how long it's going to take. And doesn't even, we don't even know if you're going to win. But look right. at the people you surrounded yourself with. Yeah. The, my uh, father used to say that. Show me my, your friends and I'll tell you who you are. There you go. Um, I have two I'm more characters, curious, but go I'm ahead. Two more characters, but go ahead. Well, curiosity is getting the better of me. I, 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 I want to move to the next two. So who's the next one on your list? Okay, so this is selfish of me, but I'm going to talk about Aaron Day, a.k.a. Blackjack. Why would you talk? Why? He had such a great relationship with his dad, Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Um, the thing is, you know, that that was a tricky relationship because I didn't. Matthew Day is is Aaron Day's father, and he was a he was a hard man Matthew in many ways. Well, that's his that's his battle name, if you will. That's the name he's his nickname, if you will. But you know, to 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 Aaron, he was dad, and his dad was named Matthew. You know, and it's a biblical term because a lot of of black folks, you know, got their names from, especially in in uh, the early uh, 1900s and 20, you know, 20th century America, you get your name from the people that owned you, uh, from the town or area you lived in, from the Bible, from you know several things. The, the, the names your ancestors might have given you from the old country were long lost, you know, for, forever. So here's his father who, you know, was, was raised during a certain portion of slave, you know, experience in slavery times, who finds this expatriate life living in another country, fighting for, for money, empowered him. It made him feel like a man. It gave him money to send back to his family. And he was, he was absolutely on this path. Until his wife says, you know, yeah, it's great you're sending us money and all that, but the bottom line is your kids, you know, Aaron's older sister, and, you know, Mary and Aaron don't know their father. Their father is off somewhere thousands and thousands of miles away. And, you know, the other reality is we're living here in New York. We moved from the South. We're living here in New York. We're living in a black community, and there are a lot of missing black men. So as far as the neighbors are concerned, your kids are getting, you know, teased and so forth. Your dad ran out on his family. So this ain't working. So what we're going to do is I'm going to grab the kids. We're going to come to where you are, you know, and wherever you're fighting, we'll be in a village or a town or a cave somewhere not that far away so that when you finish, whatever it is, you can come back to us easier, and they're going to know their father cares, not just sending them money. And that had an impact on Aaron, the fact that, you know, dad was away, but now they're going to be with him. And then being with him in those backdrops and watching him, go off for months at a time and coming back sometimes wounded or battered or whatever, sometimes coming back victorious with whatever, you know, group he was fighting with and sometimes coming back with, you know, the proverbial tail between his legs. But Aaron wants to grow up to be like his dad. And his dad is, again, is, is a hard man in a lot of ways. The way he speaks to him, his own attitudes. But he shares them with his kids, you know, and he shares it with his wife. The fact that he didn't tell her, no, stay bring the kids. He said, okay, come, bring, right, we'll do this, we'll make this work. The fact that he did that was an example for Aaron, you know, that family matters. So ultimately, Aaron does grow up to follow in dad's footsteps, but, and this was intentional on my part, I think, you know, certainly because, A, my dad was absent in my life, but also because my mother wasn't absent, uh, while dad is, again, wherever he is in this country fighting whatever, Mom is introducing Mary and Aaron to the culture they're in to the best of her ability. She's trying to teach them how to connect with people. She's feeding their curiosity. She's, you know, showing them the right way and wrong ways to do things. She's the one who reads the Bible. She's the religious one in the family. So she's trying to teach them moral rights and, 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 and a pathway. So Aaron and his sister both grow up with two views of the world that they live in. And it's how Aaron, because that's initially was a serious black chick, how Aaron began to deal with those two views and how he began to figure out how he fits was a major part of the subtext of the stories. Now that I'm doing this new series on Mary, it's the same thing. It's how did that influence her and what did she choose to do with 
the things she was taught, the things she believes, and the things she's discovering about herself. So again, parents, in, in particular fathers, can be very powerful uh, images or role models for us. And certainly when they're not there, mom can step in. And even if they are there, sometimes mom can step in. And if you've got a, a comfortable scenario, then the kids can get the best of both or the worst of both, depending on the people. But at least you have that option. Whereas if you're only being raised by one parent, it's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, I think you've covered Aaron. Uh, I agree. And uh, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave that uh, with what you dealt and uh, uh, what you offered up there. Yeah. Because now I want to know where do you go from Aaron Day? What is your other character that you want to talk about? You mean Mary? Well, or the other, the Mary. other, other? Because actually, there's an other, yeah. other. There's a more popular well, other. The other one is the Black Raven, Panther. Well, then let's talk about Black Panther. Yes, Black Panther. I mean, you've got T'Challa, who, again, grows up in a kingdom that has always known its own cultural roots, has always developed and, and put forth to the people its own policies and belief system. It's never been conquered by an outside country, race, army. Um, and he's grown up in a royal family. I mean, you know, his father before him and his father before him. So he's got all that. He's been trained. He's got money. He's he's educated. He's actually a genius. You know, so there's all of this. And he's following not only in his father's footsteps, but in the cultural order of things indigenous to his 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 his, his nation. So he's gonna he's gonna be the kind of man or try to be the kind of man his father has set as an example. He's gonna try and try and be the kind of king he's expected to be. He's then also going to try to be this strong warrior figure, the Black Panther, which also the, the role of that has been predetermined by his ancestors, the men who have gone before him. So no pressure. <laughs> you know, just, just be phenomenal, great, strong, and brave. And well, I mean, I, I think it's yeah, a, a unique, uh, uniquely accurate metaphoric pressure on the... On on Black Panther, he has to stand up to the legacy of his father and all the fathers that came before him. He has to be the father for the whole country. And they have that mystical realm where he can meet his father mm -hmm. and either have to deal with not measuring up or, you know, any of that, that kind of stuff. So a lot of pressure on Chella. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, there's because he's African, not African-American now, he's African, uh, but he's a black man, seeing these stories in comics was unique, and then seeing this magnificent film was an experience and a half, because for one, I can say Arthurian, I can say Excalibur, I can say um, Camelot, and people will know... Somewhere, every a lot of people will know what I'm talking about. The whole pageantry and you know the the knights of the of the, of the round table and all that. That's that's European 
elegance and force and royalty, and people are aware of that across the globe. In Africa, 99% of the time that we're presented with the African image of kings and so forth, they're in a thatched hut, they're wearing, you know, loincloth, grass, whatever it is they can make their clothing out of. There is no great wealth, there is no super science. You know, we're still back in whatever age you want to call it, not quite the Stone Age. So here's the Camelot of the black universe, you know, and it's, it's a whole nother experience. And once again, here you are, the male representation of all of that. And I only have two words to those who say, well, the African king patched hut. And those two words would be Mansa Musa. Yes. <laughs> guy, and then they would go, what are you talking about, Willis? You know? <laughs> yeah. I went on a pilgrimage, and just the loose change he tossed on his way completely changed economic uh, um, uh, situations for entire countries. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, yeah, they're in thatched huts. No. Mansa Musa was closer to T'Challa's uh, um, depiction than the thatched hut. Yeah, um, absolutely. Perhaps not with as much science and all that sort of stuff, or that Jack Kirby energy. But um, what, I, what I like is we have an opportunity here with the popularity of the MCU uh, movies to have you know, not just that one film in the, you know, that one moment in the sun. I mean, we saw Civil War. We saw how he uh, carried himself. We saw in a uh, little bit in um, Infinity, but more in Endgame, how uh, T'Challa carried himself. But I'm looking forward to what is on the slate for, I guess, it's phase four at this point, mm -hmm. uh, is that the second Black uh, Panther movie. And yes, I want to see more of that. And I wanted, I you know, I pray that it is as glorious as the first one was and watchable. Uh, we had um, another thing in my, uh, I teach high school, as people know, uh, we had a field day, senior field day, and some classes are mixed. So if you weren't a senior, you couldn't go to the field day. But there might not be a teacher there if the teacher was participating in the field day. So we brought them into the auditorium. And the three of us, uh, or two of the teachers, I wasn't there yet, were talking about, well, what do we do with them, you know? And, and uh, one said, you have to, you know, you have to put a movie on for them. So uh, the morning movie was Black Panther. <laughs> and you had an auditorium full of high school age kids, you know, who were, uh, who normally would have been in gym or were some of the kids in driver's ed or, or whatever. And uh, cheering, cheering this movie. Mm. And it was, it was, I mean, I, I remember the experience of that in the, in the theater, but then I've watched it at home, very quiet. Even the goddesses cheers are quiet. Um, <laughs> but to hear that, that really live audience really connected with that character. Uh, that's fantastic. And um, like the characters that I grew up looking for, you know, up to and seeing as partially father figures, you know, enhancing what my father taught me, uh, they too now have the Black Panther uh, to be a little bit of that influence on them. Mm -hmm. And the world's a richer place for it. And uh, in that way, even fictional characters can celebrate Father's Day, can be fathers, you know, um, because we learn, we, we learn from all these stories. Uh, well, how to know, be it, it's it's very much, 
you know, I agree with you. It's, it's very much the role model uh, scenario, whether it's fictional source or real life source. Growing up, you need to look towards or up to someone to help you figure things out, to help you get started with figuring things out. And, you know, as I, as I said on some of my sh some of our shows and in some of my speeches and things, you know, as, as silly as it sounds to some folks, you know, the Lone Ranger and Tonto were very key in my understanding and being totally comfortable with my belief that people of different races, in particular at that time, men of different races could work together. You know, and especially since I'm in, at, you know, the late 50s and then moving into the 60s, there was, you know, this whole heated buildup for the civil rights. You know, it's, it's, your mindset is one of two things. It's either it's never going to work or it better work or it's got to work or of course it can work. You know, it's, it's somewhere in there is, is the truth. And, you know, they were represented that to me. And I think that understanding that and, and then applying it in its real sense to my friends and, and, and other mentors and so forth, that had a big impact on me. So I think that if we, if we can be honest with ourselves about the fact that you know, the whole world may feel like it's coming at you, but the whole world isn't dark, it, it isn't negative. And I don't even want to like to use the word dark constantly as a negative thing because the whole world isn't bad. It isn't freaked out. It isn't all going to hell in a handbasket. There are a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of possibilities to work towards. There's a lot of good to be done and is being done. And you need more stories to help you aspire to that. You need people to tell really good stories and definitely tell the damn story that we can if we work at it. <clears throat> there you go. That's beautiful. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father to you, Chris. And happy Father's to all the fathers out there. And, and thank you, folks, for sitting in. And please share your comments with us. You know how, you know where. And we'll be here next week. That was a great Father's Day, Day story. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be very cool. Take care, everybody. See you on Facebook and here on, on, on Tell the Damn Story where the comment section are and on uh, a couple of other things. We have Instagram. So you can find us. You can find us. Okay, everybody. Again, happy Father's Day. Take care, everybody. Take care, Chris. Take care. Peace.